Again, it kind of worked out perfectly that the message that God, you know, in the series we're in that God had placed on my heart, as we look at this series called Mirrors, we're looking at the attributes of God. We're created in God's image, so that means that the attributes of God should be reflected in our life as a result of being created in His image. And this morning, as we look at uh, some of the attributes of God that are mirrored within us, we're looking at justice and compassion this morning. And so again, this lines up perfectly with with what Rachel talked about, because God is a just God, but he's a compassionate God as well. And that's where we we just understand and sense his love in such a real way. And so this morning, kind of our, our, our key point is this. As followers of Jesus, we are called to different battles to fight for justice and compassion. So each of us are called to different battles, right? Rachel, she's being called right now in this season to go on the front lines of Thailand and fight that battle against human trafficking and and the other things that are going on there, just the the forces of evil that are evident there. Each of us are called to a different battle, and we're going to look at that this morning. So as I said, we started this series last week. Last week we looked at, you know, how God is holy and glorious, and, and those should be reflected in us. And today we're going to look at justice and compassion. And so, you know, it's, we have this weird innate desire inside of us that we love this idea of a battle. Like, we, we, love, we love this idea of having a battle or having a fight or having some type of competition. It's just kind of innate within us, and, and maybe more so men, but women, uh, you know, I know that, that that competitive nature is within you as well, the compete and, and battle and different things like that, right? Many times we see, you know, the man fights for the woman, the woman fights to be captivating, you know, to have someone come after her. And these attributes are found in God, our creator of compassion and justice. God is compassionate towards us, right? We, we sit here and, and I stand here and I go, man, I don't deserve the grace and mercy that God has bestowed upon me in my life. But out of his love, he is compassionate towards us. And even in our imperfections, even in our shortcomings, God says, I still love you. I still have compassion for you. I, I, you know, I'm just, there's consequence for your sins, and, and that is a real thing, but he has compassion for us as well. He fights for justice. And I believe this is many times why we have this innate ability that we fight or, or we like to battle something. Right? We think about it, everything that's kind of created, whether it's from the time we're young. Video games oftentimes have competition or fighting in them. Sports are, are a competition in and of themselves. And, and, and then there's literal fighting that takes place in our world. Right? It's kind of just an innate thing built within our human nature. But we often believe that we need to sit back and do nothing. Right? We're, well, we're Christians. Let's just kind of sit back and uh, we'll just watch. We'll just... Now, that's not the life that God has called us to do. I'm not advocating that we just go out and we pick a fight for no reason or that, you know, we go out and we're just rubble rousers and, and just, you know, causing confrontation or different things. But what we are called to do is we are called to fight for justice and we are called to reflect the compassion of the Lord to those around us. God fights for us. God is our warrior. And we actually find that thought that God is a warrior in the Bible. Exodus chapter 15 verse 3 says this. The Lord is a warrior. Yahweh is his name. The Lord is a warrior. God is a warrior. Right? Do you know what the word warrior means? A warrior is a brave or experienced soldier or a fighter. 
If that's the case, then it says here that God, as a warrior, he's brave and he's an experienced soldier or fighter. That's what scripture tells us about who God is. One of the, one of the things is he is a warrior. The truth is God fights for the justice of those he's compassionate about. God fights for the justice of those he is compassionate about. That's you, that's me, that, that's every person that's ever walked on the face of this earth. God loves them and he fights for them. In the Old Testament, sometimes, I think today, we, can, we get God confused with something he's not. It's often believed and debated that, that the God of the Old Testament is someone totally different than the God of the New Testament. And simply because in the Old Testament we see war and we see battle and we see all these different things take place. And, you know, that God does. The problem is that we also read in Scripture that God is the same today, yesterday, and forevermore, it tells us in Hebrews chapter 13. So he can't just be this wrathy, angry God over humanity one day, and then the next day he decides, oh, I'm just a forgiving, loving, compassionate God. Right? He could be because he's God, but that would go against himself as being an unchanging God, who's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Right? We do, you know, if we look at Scripture, God does, we see more of the justice aspect of God sometimes in the Old Testament, and maybe a little bit more of the compassionate side in the New Testament. But also the reason that God was being just in the Old Testament was because of his compassion that he had for the Israelite people. And we're going to look at that together this morning. We often miss a key point as to why God engaged in the different battles he engaged with. Because he was fighting for his people. He only engaged when peace was on the line. He didn't fight because it was fun. God didn't create fights because he enjoyed these different things. He fought for the justice whose faith belonged to him. Jesus was also a fighter. We look at the life of Christ. He came to the earth to do what? To save and seek that which was lost. That's why Jesus came. That was his purpose. He was a fighter. He came to seek and save that which was lost. And he fought against sin by going to the cross and defeating sin and death forever when he resurrected three days later. It was a bloody and a horrifying battle, but Jesus did it on our behalf. Don't tell me Jesus and God weren't fighters because Scripture makes it very clear that they are warriors who are compassionate towards humanity and they had battles that they had to fight at different times. They fought for justice and peace. We all have battles to fight too, as I said. We too are called to fight for justice and for peace. We're not called to just be spectators. We're called to be active participants in fighting the, the, the good fight of, of seeing people come to know Christ in this world today. I want to read some scripture about a, a battle between the Israelites and the Amalekites. And so if you have your Bibles, feel free to open them up to Exodus chapter 17 or in a moment, they'll be on the screen behind me as well. But we're going to look at a battle that takes place between Israelites and the Amalekites. So the Amalekites, they're, they're the descendants of Amalek, who was a grandson of Esau. Right? So Jacob and Esau, they were, they were twin brothers. And we know that Jacob, he, he took the birthright away from Esau. He swindled it away from him. And so that's, that gives us a little context. So the Amalekites, or Amalek, is, is the grandson of Esau. And so the, the Amalekites were a fierce warrior tribe that lived in the region of the Dead Sea. They made their living by raiding other settlements around them. They would also kill for pleasure, right? So they were people that they just, 
for no reason would go about killing and plundering and, and stealing what they wanted. And one day the Israelites entered the region where the Amalekites were also present at that time. These warriors saw this as a perfect opportunity to kill and gain a profit. The Amalekites were like, oh man, we're going to take down the Israelites. They're just, it's another group of people, we're going to take them out. And so what the Amalekites didn't know was when they encountered the Israelites, there was going to be a lot of trouble. Why? The Israelites had a secret weapon that none of these other people that they tried to attack had. The Israelites had God as their secret weapon, and God was going to look out for them. God was going to, to fight on their behalf. Why? Because he's a God of justice and a God of compassion, and he cared for the Israelite people. This is how the story goes. Exodus chapter 17, starting in verse 8. It says, While the people of Israel were, were still at Rephidium, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. Moses commanded Joshua, Choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. Tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill, holding the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur climbed to the top of, the, of a nearby hill. As long as Moses held up the staff in his hands, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hands, the Amalekites gained the advantage. Moses' arms soon became so tired that he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on. Then they stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands. So his hands held steady until sunset. As a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in the battle. After the victory, the Lord instructed Moses, Write this down on a scroll as a permanent reminder and read it out loud to Joshua. I will erase the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar there and named it Yahweh Nisi, which means the Lord is my banner. He said, they have raised their first against the Lord's throne. So now the Lord will be at war against Amalek generation after generation. Right? So God came and, and he fought on behalf of his people and he provided for them in this battle. God was in that time and God still is today a warrior. He made sure the Israelites were capable of winning against the Amalekites. Moses, right, he, he kind of, maybe if you've watched like Lord of the Rings, it kind of takes this like Gandalf-like stance, right? He's holding the staff up like this and as he's holding it up, the Israelites have the advantage, and as his arms get tired and they come down, you see the Amalekites begin to take the advantage, and so Aaron and Hur had to come and, and, and be his arm bearers. This is literally one of the places where the term arm bearers comes from, because they literally, they weren't like carrying his side piece, his sword. They were literally holding his arms. They were bearing his arms up, so that way the staff would continue to be up in the air. He also calls, he calls you to battle just as he called the Israelites to battle. So in the story, we read that, when, again, as Moses' hands go down, they fall back, and so they have to prop him up and help him, and they overcome the Amalekites. Men reflect the warrior side of God. But as I said earlier, don't think for a second that women are not included. I believe that men and women equally reflect the warrior side of God. Some amazing warriors have fought for justice that are women, right? All you have to do, if you look at the book of Judges, man, look at the life of Deborah. Look at what Deborah did. You want to talk about a warrior. Deborah was a warrior, and she was in the thick of the battle. 
You have a battle to fight as well. Men and women are part of the fight against the injustice in the world. We are also called by God to show compassion to people. To do this, we have to battle. So here's the question that you might be thinking today. What do we fight? What do we fight? You know, what, what are we fighting? What do we fight? If we're called to fight, if we're called to you know, have compassion towards people, what do we fight? We fight for justice and peace. We're fighting for justice and peace is what we are called to fight for. There's an author whose name is Abjit Naskar, and he wrote a book called Operation Justice, and he had this to say about this idea. Stepping up in the face of injustice is not vigilantism, it's humanity. So what he's saying here is, when we see injustice, it, it shouldn't take, it's not an act of heroics to step up, it should just be humanity to say, there, this is wrong, this isn't right. As humans, we should go, how can we help with this injustice? Right? It shouldn't be left to a select group of, uh, of vigilantes or, or heroes, but yet rather as humanity, as humans, as, uh, especially as a family of Christ, we should be going, what is it that I can do to help with whatever injustice I'm seeing? Right? When we fight for justice, we are fighting to expand the kingdom of God. What are some things that you're passionate about that you can go into battle to bring peace and justice to? Right? So that's, you know, many times you go, well, I don't know. What are you passionate about? Right? Pastor Laura and I were, were passionate about, about seeing human trafficking, and Rachel was passionate about not only seeing an end, but the Thai people. God's given her love for that culture, for, for the people there, and a heart to see them. What has God given you a passion for? And I want to tell you, whatever He's given you a passion for, that's what He's calling you to fight for. That's what, he gave you that passion so you can act on it, so you can fight on that, and so you can see justice and peace come into that passion that you have. That could be fighting against world hunger. You, you might be a part of the fight for seeing the foster care system maybe be, uh, you know, increased or make some things easier in the foster care system. Maybe the battle is to help end human trafficking. What battle for justice and, and compassion are you called to fight? What battle? It's different for each and every one of us. But I do want to share, there are a few things we fight against as well. So what do we fight against, number one? We fight against the enemy. Right? First and foremost, we fight against the enemy. He is a real thing. The devil, Satan and his demons, what did it say in the scripture? It says they are prowling around like a lion, trying to seek and destroy. It, it, it's a real battle that we have with the enemy. They, they, they hate it when we, we step up and, and we're doing what God is calling us to do. I believe that every time we spend time in Scripture and we, we pray and, and, and we, we worship God and we come together in, in fellowship and community as the body of Christ, we are fighting against the enemy and we are growing closer to the one who matters most, and that's Jesus Christ. There are many things the enemy will try to do to get us to fall. Right? He will lie to us. Right? He tries to put all kinds of thoughts into our mind. He, he will tempt us. He will deceive us by something that sounds, maybe it has a partial truth, and we're like, oh, that sounds really good. And then there's a twist to it, and you're like, oh, yeah, that's, that's deception that Satan is trying to get us to fall into. But here's, here's the great part. The Holy Spirit is here with us. And so the Holy Spirit can help us to overcome that deception, to help us to overcome the deceit, to help us to overcome the lies that Satan may try to put into our minds. The Holy Spirit will never cause us to question ourselves. Our, our God is a God of order. He's not a God of confusion. 
And so He, the Holy Spirit, will, will never cause us to question our belief, but He will lead us towards the heart of God. The Holy Spirit will lead us towards the heart of God. The best thing we can do when we're in spiritual battle is to quote <coughs> Scripture over and over and over again. There's power in God's Word. It's living and it's active and it's moving. It says that it's sharper than a double-edged blade that splits bone from marrow. God's Word is where we find victory in the spiritual battle in our lives. And also, not only do we quote Scripture, but to tell whatever has a hold of you that it has to flee in Jesus' name. Because it also tells us in Scripture that there is nothing that can stay in the name of Jesus that is not from Him. It says that the devil must flee at the name of Jesus, right? So you're tempted, you're struggling with something, you know, in the name of Jesus, be gone, and it, it has to flee. Scripture tells us that. That's a promise that we find from Scripture, that Satan and his demons cannot stay in the presence of Jesus when we call on the name of Jesus. We've been given that authority. The enemy, it's like an annoying cancer trying to spread itself in hopes of bringing us down because he so desires to be in that place of God. That's what he's trying to do. Satan is trying to get in that place of God. He's trying to become that number one priority in your life that you're seeking and that you're listening to and that you're, you're pursuing. Right? He knows that he can never take the helm unless we allow him to. He knows that as we, as we seek God and as we call upon the name of God, he doesn't have a chance. He knows that. Why? Because he experienced it himself. He was thrown out of heaven. He knows. He, he knows that beyond us making a decision, he's lost the battle, but he's trying his very, very best to cause disruptions and, and to try to work his way back into our lives. So I want to encourage you this morning, fill maybe what could be empty in your heart with Jesus so that the enemy cannot come in and try to grab root of it. Putting his word in your heart, spending time in prayer, spending time in worship, spending time listening, and just allow your heart and your mind to just be overwhelmed with Jesus and just say, Satan, there's not even room for a football. There's no place for you here in my life. I'm fully dedicated to Christ and the cause that he has called me to do. John Eldridge, in his book, Wild at Heart, that maybe many of you have read at one point in time, there's a couple quotes I want to read. The first one is this. It says, the enemy fears you. You are dangerous big time. If you ever really got your heart back, which means if you ever you know, fully commit yourself to Christ, live from it with courage. You would be a huge problem to him speaking of the enemy. You would do a lot of damage on the side of good. Remember how valiant and effective God has been in the history of the world. You are a stem of this victorious stock. So again, he's reminding us here, the, the author, John Elders, is saying, like, when we have a heart that's fully set on Christ, Satan should be scared of us. Because we should actively be pursuing justice and showing compassion to those around us and seeing the kingdom grow and expand as a result of it. And again, as he said, all we have to do is, if we look back, whether it's scripture or just throughout history or even in your own life, we're going, man, God has done some really amazing things through people who just said, God, I'm here, I'm, I'm your vessel, I'm willing to, to allow you to come and move in my life. So we fight against the enemy. But what is another thing we fight against? We also fight against ourselves. We also fight against ourselves in this world. We have a battle to fight within ourselves. And again, this is another quote from, from John Elder's book, Wild at Heart, that says this, To put it bluntly, your flesh is a weasel, a poser, 
and a selfish pig. And your flesh is not you. Your flesh is not real, is not the real you. There is a war within us, but it is a civil war. The battle is not between us and God. No, there is a traitor within who wars against our true heart, fighting alongside the Spirit of God in us. So he's referring to this fact that there's an, an eternal, internal battle that's taking place in our bodies, in our lives, where it's not us versus God. The Spirit of God is within us as soon as we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. But Satan is continuing to try to battle against the Spirit of God that is within us. And that is the battle that we have to make sure we are being intentional and we are allowing God to come and move in our lives in that situation. This is a battle, as I said, it happens inside each of us. The enemy is going to try and use whatever he can to make you think less of who you are. Lies are fed into your head at random times of the day. Many times, especially when you're alone, because that's when we're most vulnerable, when we're alone, when we're by ourselves. He may use other people to, to cause you to get down on yourself. Sometimes he'll use your past or different things that have taken place in your past and try to remind you of them over and over. Oh no, this is all you are. You're, you're a failure. These are the things you've struggled with. You're never going to be any more than this. Right? Like Jesus told us to do, we have to deny ourselves daily and pick up our cross and follow so why deny ourselves? Why, why, why is that important? Because if we believe a single lie about ourselves, we are allowing the enemy to come in and determine our identity. We're giving him a foothold. And when we give the enemy a foothold, he's going to continue to grow and pull and, and try to take on more and more territory within our lives, within our heart, within our mind. So if we deny ourselves from believing the lies of the enemy and the lies that we may tell ourselves, then we can truly live as the new creation God has created us to be. We, we, we leave no room for that football. We leave no hand hanging down for him to try to grab because we're just going, I, I'm fully uh, stuck and I'm fully dedicated to living for Christ and I'm denying myself, I'm denying my flesh, I'm designing, denying my personal preferences because I want to do what God is calling me to do, and I'm being obedient to that. This is a constant battle within ourselves. But Jesus died so that we can find hope and forgiveness in Him. You have been forgiven. You are loved. And you are valued by Jesus. If you remember nothing else today, remember that. That you are loved. That you are valued. And that Christ has forgiven your what the rest of the world says about you doesn't matter. What actually matters is what Jesus says about us. What his word says over us. That we are sons and daughters of his. As, as, as Larry read during worship. That we are heirs in the family of Christ. That we are a part of the family of God. And so despite what the rest of the world may try to say. That is our identity. That is who we are as Christians. And even as Rachel may mention too, we are not citizens of this world, but we are citizens of heaven. And in this time, God is using us to fight with justice and compassion to see the kingdom grow and expand so that heaven may grow and hell may begin shrinking. God is just and compassionate. The beautiful thing is He calls us to be the same. We have a battle to fight. Our battle is to bring justice and compassion into this world. And as I said, the way that looks for each of us is unique and different. We all have a battle that God is calling us to fight. We are not called to stand back or be cowardly or just spectate. We are called to fight for those who can't fight. 
We're called to stand up for those who have no ability to stand up on their own. We are called to show compassion to those who are in need around us, whether it's physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, maybe it's, it's materially, whatever it is. We are called to have compassion on those in need around us. When we embrace justice and compassion, we become the warriors God has called each one of us to be and to fight to bring his kingdom here on earth and continue to expand it for his glory and his honor. And so I just want to leave you with this thought this morning. Again, what passion has God given you? And what are you doing to see that justice, is, justice prevails and that the compassion of Christ is made known in the midst of it? Because for each of us, that's our job. That's our task. We're called to bring the gospel messages to the end of the earth, to the Great Commission. We're called to love, our, love Jesus and love our neighbors. And we're in, in, in the midst of that, how do we show compassion and how do we, we fight for justice and peace for those who are in need around us? Father, we thank you this morning again that, God, you are a compassionate and a just God. And I thank you, Lord, that these attributes that you have are reflected in us as your children today in 2021. And God, I just pray this morning that you would speak to each and every heart here this morning, God, that maybe right now they're not sure what it is that they're passionate about, or they're not sure what it is, that, you know, the battle that you are calling them to, to fight for justice and show compassion through. God, I pray you'd reveal that to them this morning, that they would know what it is, and, and God, that they would begin to actively do that. Lord, I pray for those who already know, God, that they would continue to be active in fighting for justice, continuing to fight and allow the compassion of the Lord to shine through them so that, God, we can continue to see the kingdom of God grow here on earth and that your light will continue to overcome the darkness. God, we just thank you for this reminder. And God, I just pray that even now that you would give us opportunities, Lord, to walk out what we learned today to walk out what it means to, to, to fight for justice and to be able to show compassion for people that are in need. God, that we would stand up for those who can't stand up for themselves. Lord God, that we would meet the needs of those around us who are in need. God, you have called us to be warriors for the kingdom of God. And you've equipped us through your word and through your Holy Spirit. And so I just pray today that you continue, God, to equip and empower and enable us to do the work of the ministry that you've called us to do here in Chisholm, throughout the Iron Range, and around the world. God, we just thank you so much. Just pray, God, that you just bless our time now as we begin to get ready to head out to our church picnic and a time of fellowship and community. Lord, we just ask, God, that you be glorified in all that takes place this afternoon as well. And so we just thank you again for this morning. We thank you for Rachel and the heart that you've given her and the call that she's responded to. And so, Father, may you be glorified in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.